Good day. So first off, I'm battling some sinus issues. I just got a surgery to fix it. Got about a week of recovery before I'm 100% again. But uh, getting right into it, I'm stoked to present my first non-musical guest on the Small Room Sesh. I've been fascinated with my friend Kevin Murphy, who's been living life in such an adventurous, unusual, but beautiful way. The way he's gone about post-college has seemed almost artistic, and so I felt compelled to share his story with all my subscribers who may feel an urge to travel or accomplish something difficult, but have had a long laundry list of excuses. So we're going to take you through a journey on the Appalachian Trail, ocean fishing in Alaska, hiking and working in New Zealand, fighting forest fires in, in the center of the states, and getting a yoga certification in India. You can follow along some beautiful pictures by checking out his Instagram handle, which is M-U-R-9-H. This is a two-part series because uh, just the stories were so good and also did take some time to tell. So also my first two-part series. Hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Small Room Sesh Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Brown, and we got my my good pal here, Murph, or Kevin Murphy, as most would know him. Yep, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, good to see you, man. Uh, so last time we caught up, first off, I, I'm i going to do like a, a short intro to this yeah. thing. But uh, last time we, we did talk, though, you had just got back from New Zealand. But I want to... I wanna, take this back a little bit further to where we met. We met at North Central. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the most notable things I remember is you taught me how to do a backflip. <laughs> do you still remember how? Uh, I remember how, but... Got to freshen up a little bit, practice yeah, some more. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. It's like a confidence thing. It is. So if you don't do it regularly, you kind of lose the confidence. And even though you know you can still do it, you kind of need that encouragement or that that mental confidence to go f- <clears throat> to go for it. Yeah, because uh, I think the last time I tried it, I totally biffed it, and then I just <laughs> never did it again yeah. because you have to Once like the fear sets in, man. It's hard. Yeah, you think you got to like lean back into it, and and that's gonna carry you through. But you just got to jump straight up and then tuck, and it's like, oh my god, it's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, it helps if you do some progressions leading up into it to kind of boost your confidence and um, because it really is just all about confidence. Most people can do a backflip if they can, you know, jump a foot off the ground and tuck their knees into their chest. The rest is basically all confidence. Yeah. Anyways, so that that was that was great. One of one of the better, better memories of my life is uh nailing that on video on youtube if you want to see check that off the bucket list yeah uh so north central college what did you study uh i got a bachelor in arts degree for uh interactive media studies with a focus in graphic arts okay and then uh so before you uh decided to go on the you did the Appalachian Trail, right? Yeah, that was kind of my post-graduation adventure. I'm like, before I get a job and a career, I'm going to take this time and take some gradu- graduation money that I had earned and just go on an adventure. And the Appalachian Trail seemed like the way to do it because, you know, it's, it's all about simplicity, kind of. You just take your backpack and everything you need and you just start walking, you know, and you walk through 14 states from Maine to Georgia, about 2,200 miles. So uh, you get to see a lot of the country. You get to, um, you know, kind of live a minimalist lifestyle, a hiker lifestyle. I hadn't really done much backpacking beforehand, so it was 
a good way for me to break into it because it is such a popular trail that there's a big community around it and a lot of people willing to help out and, you know, just give you the encouragement and the advice and the direction that you need. And if you get lost or something, it's such a popular trail that you'll know right away that you're lost or that you're off trail or you'll meet a bunch of other people out there. And so it just seemed like a, a good place to get started for um, learning the fundamentals of a, a grand adventure. Oh, okay. So maybe you didn't did some like intermediate hiking before then. No. No. None. No. So this was it. Okay. <laughs> I, I had done some like Cub Scout type um, camping with my dad when I was you know just a wee little lad, <laughs> but as far as like camping trips on my own, hiking trips, none. I didn't I didn't own any equipment, and I just. I had one friend from school, um, a girl named Hannah Brock, and we kind of we met on a study abroad trip to Costa Rica, and she she's from Georgia, so she knew a little bit more about the trail. I hadn't even heard of it at the time, and she proposed the idea, and I'm like, "That's it. That sounds awesome. Let's do it." And because we were doing it together, we had a little bit more accountability. Like, did you get the gear that you need? Yeah. Did you buy the guidebook? Yeah. You, we got the plane tickets. Like, this is happening. So we had that accountability because otherwise I probably would have gotten scared and bailed or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, dude. Definitely. I would not be trying to do that solo. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go take on the, the Appalachian Trail now. Yep. So, Okay, so nothing, nothing really scary happened along that trip, or, um, because that's a that's a long yeah, freaking actually, night. yeah, I would say there was one incident in particular that stands out as being <laughs> a bit, a bit nerve wracking. Um, well, two, one, one's kind of funny. I'll tell that one first. So we took a little side trip in one of the towns. I think it was in like Massachusetts or New Jersey or I don't know somewhere up in New England. It all just kind of blurs together after the years go by. But uh, we're up there, and we took a little side trail so that we could go to this liquor store because we read in the guidebook that any AT hikers, AT is short for Appalachian Trail, you know, any AT hikers that pass through, they can come and pick up a free beer. So we're like, well, yeah, that's worth a little side trip. We'll go get a free beer. And while we're there, it turns out that you can get um, pizza delivered to that location. And pizza's hard to get on the Appalachian Trail, so you got to take advantage of those opportunities, you know. So we take a little break, get us a beer and a pizza, and we kind of spent longer than we should have at this spot. And we're like looking at the clock like, yeah, we got to leave now or we're not going to make it to the shelter before sundown. And... We kept hanging out and did not make it to the shelter before sundown. <laughs> so I left a little bit earlier than some of the other guys because I wanted to get back and not hike during the dark. Um, but the sun went down and I'm hiking. I'm off by myself. I got my headlamp on. I turn to the side and I see these two eyes looking at me. And, you know, immediately your brain just kind of goes to like the worst possible thing. I'm like, Wolf. that's... Bear. I'm bear. thinking bear. Oh, man. You know, I'm up in New England. I already saw one bear in Maine, um, just kind of off in the distance. And it, you know, they're more scared of you than you are of them. So as, as soon as you see them, they probably already saw you and it's like running off into the distance. You know, it's, it's not trying to, to check you out or nothing. It, it wants to get away. So I think bear right away. And it's pretty close. You know, it's maybe 20, 30 feet or something. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm just kind of frozen. I don't really know what to do. So I, I pause for a little bit, start walking a bit slowly, see a little bit more commotion, it runs away. It's just a deer, you know? Oh, okay. of course. It's yeah. just a deer. Yeah, for sure. No biggie. But, you know, at night, you don't know any better. You only see two beady eyes looking at you. You just assume the worst. So that's why I don't like hiking at night. You know, you just your your imagination kind of gets the best of you. Yeah, because deer's know? eyes sit pretty yeah, high, or it could too. Just be, so you're thinking it could really it could be, be any huge. animal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Deer, yeah, a little bit taller than, than most animals. Okay, so, so yeah, you, d- you definitely got your feet wet on this trip. Yeah. And then came back and sort of, you know, you were like... Well, I'll tell you one more. Yeah. So there was one other incident that was a little bit scary. Um, and this is why it's good to hike with a group. Because this time I was a little bit farther south. I was in Virginia. And um, there was probably five or six of us at this shelter um, camping out there. And during the middle of the night, I just... I get the urge to go to the bathroom. I'm like, can't hold it, wake up, got to go. And the position of this shelter was kind of on top of a hill, and behind it was this bowl-shaped valley that kind of curves up in different directions with these scattered trees everywhere. So I walk down there, um, do my business, go to the bathroom, turn around, and just get totally disoriented. I'm like, I'm standing at the bottom of this bowl-shaped valley, and I can't see see the shelter from the top because it's like over the lip over the edge a little bit. So I'm looking up, it's nighttime, you know, my headlamp doesn't shine very far, I can't see the shelter, and I'm like, well, I think it was this way. So I just kind of start going off in the direction that I thought it was, and, you know, I only walked... How far did you have to walk from it? I just walked (laughs) for, like, a little bit, and then I'm like, I should have seen it by now. now. I don't see it, I'm looking around, still don't see it, and I don't want to walk too much in the wrong direction and just get more lost. And I'm just sitting like, I, for once, I like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm like, it's the middle of the night, totally black. I'm disoriented. I don't really know where I am. And so I just started calling out for help. (laughs) I mean, that's like all I could think to do. Like, hello, can anybody hear me? where are you guys? (laughs) Like, help! And fortunately, uh, my buddy, um, the governor, as we call him, he woke up from like a sound sleep. I think he had taken like a sleeping pill too. So I don't know how he was the one to wake up. But he woke up, started calling back. There they are, way off in a different direction. I was totally going the wrong way. So I go back and you know, crisis averted. But that was one of those things where, like, if I had been on my own or something, I just didn't really know what to do. I probably would have just leaned up against a tree and slept yeah. on a tree until the sun came up and I could get my bearings a little bit more. Yeah. But also, if you were on your own, maybe you wouldn't have went so far from yeah. the thing. Yeah, I mean, I probably just would have gone right behind the shelter because yeah. no one's there, you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm all alone. I'm not really feeling like yeah. uh, going far at all. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think I really went that far. It was just the landscape was really disorienting. Mm. The way the the trees were positioned and the topography, it kind of just, I don't know, I turned around and it all looked the same. And Dude, I've just, never been like in some serious nature like yeah, that at, out, out in at the night country. like yeah. that. Everything's different at night. Oh, yeah. It's, 
it's not your element. You know, we're not nocturnal. No, we're not and we're, for that. we also don't live in forests either. Nope. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> tend to stay in the valleys and the uh, the cities and so the so. Anyways, you, you come back and yep. you you got that under your belt, and then what what goes what goes through your head because this is not where you stop traveling. No, right? no. So the whole idea was that I would go and do this trip and just kind of use it as like my gap year type thing, um, my my adventure, get it out of my system, and then I'd go and use my degree and get a graphic design job and, I don't know, just be an adult and, you know, find a career or something. And by the time I finished the trail, I was like, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want any of that. I don't want to sit behind a desk staring at a computer making logos and corporate layouts for businesses that, you know, I, I don't feel attached to or passionate about, you know, I feel like I would just be a robot working for the machine, trying to work my way up the, to- uh, work my way up the totem pole, you know? So, so I decided to just go back to the job that I had while I was in college. And that was coaching tumbling and trampoline classes, um, for kids in Carroll stream area at DuPage Cheer and Power Tumbling. And that was a really fun job. I really enjoyed that. Uh, My boss was my first gymnastics coach, so we had really good rapport. I mean, there wasn't really even much of an interview process because what more could you need to know? (laughs) You know, he already taught me from the time I was a kid. So I did that for two or three years, um, teaching kids. We had a competitive tumbling and trampoline team. That was really fun. We went to state and national competitions. Um, So I got to do a little bit of traveling with that. And and then it kind of just came to a point where I was like, it was time to make a decision. I'd done it for, like I said, two and a half, three years. It was about the time I was 25 now. And quarter left crisis. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, do I want to stick with it? Because they were offering me um, advancements within the company, uh, administrative position, you know, head coach of the team kids, you know, pay raises, uh, potentially being a partner in the company, you know, trying to sweeten the deal because they really liked me and it was a good fit. But I just didn't know if I really wanted to settle down into a career in the town that I grew up in at that stage in my life. So I figured it was time to, to transition, to do something different. And there was one, one other coach that had worked at the gym for a couple months, and he was a gymnast from UIC. Um, and he actually got a job in Disney World working as a tumble monkey for the Festival of the Lion King show. So he did like a routine on trampoline and rings and high bar and stuff like that. And I just figured that was the coolest job ever. I'm like, if you could get paid to, to, you know, be an athlete, to do performances and to work in Disney World, like that's something I could get behind, even if it is in Florida, <laughs> you know? So, but, uh, so yeah. just because we're doing a 45 minute podcast and there's multiple things I want to get to yeah, here, there's I lot. want to skip forward to then, okay, that's yeah. not what you did. You yeah. ended up deciding to work as a fisherman in yep. Alaska yep. on the ocean. <laughs> so yeah. that is like polar opposite. Yeah, because 
So the audition that I wanted to do, they only had it every six months. And so I had done it twice. I, I was in, I lived in Florida, that just saved some money, uh, lived at my grandma's house for about six months. Oh, wait, you did do that? Well, I did the audition twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. And first time, I, I was a bit nervous and didn't really make it all the way through. Second time, I made it all the way through and didn't get a call back. Ah. And so I was a little bit disenchanted, and I'm like, do I really want to stay here in Florida for another six months just for another audition yeah. that might not you, work out? I'm like, I just got to keep moving. I just got to, you know, I tried, didn't work, move on to the next thing. I got a lot of stuff I want to do. Yeah. So my bucket list is pretty long. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's not going to take care of itself. So, yeah, I knew, um, kind of like, I know I couldn't, go back to my old job of coaching before I checked some more stuff off my list. And one of the big things on the list was I wanted to go to New Zealand. Like it's just so picturesque and beautiful. And it just kind of always seemed like this enchanted place, almost just the mountains and the rivers and the beaches and the ocean. It just kind of has a little bit of everything tucked into this Island off, you know, in like one of the most remote places in the world, in the Pacific Ocean, just kind of far away from everything. And I just knew I wanted to go there. So, but I also knew that I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm like, well, how do I make some money and do some traveling and, you know, not sit behind a desk and hate my life? And I'd been reading some different adventure books and, you know, just kind of trying to brainstorm and come up with ideas. And one of the things that I came up with or stumbled across was seasonal fishing jobs in Alaska. So I could work for a couple months, three or four months, you know, and make close to 10 grand, maybe more. Uh, so that's what I did. I just Googled it, found a website, alaskanfishingjobs.com, paid like 30 bucks for a membership, sent out some emails, got a reply back, few, uh, you know, phone interviews, a Skype interview, and next thing you know, I got a job, but I'm flying out to Alaska to fish on a 40-foot a salmon boat, you know, a gillnet boat, and yeah, that was in southeast Alaska. Um, was summer, summer, winter? Summer, yeah. Well, I thank mean, goodness. I would not want to be up there yeah. during the winter. That's, Cause, that's cause when it gets dangerous. You know, when you first told me this, I'm thinking like, deadliest oh man, catch. deadliest catch. Yeah, that's, yes. I mean, and that's, you know, that's TV. TV gets paid to dramatize things, yeah. you know, to, to go to the extremes. And not to undercut them, that's definitely extreme where they're at. They're in the, oh, yeah. the Bering Strait kind of on that peninsula that extends out from Alaska towards Russia. I was on like the skinny part the peninsula that heads down towards washington and towards canada you know like as far south in alaska as you can go um in that inside passage kind of near ketchikan and wrangell um so yeah that was 2015 i think yeah summer 2015 i want to say yeah and so i did that for three months yeah june july August, came back in September, took about a month off at home and used all the money. I made about 10 grand in three months. Not bad. So, not bad. Yeah. I mean, that was before taxes too. So I did have to pay like two grand in taxes the following mm. year. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I headed off to New Zealand and- Straight from there? No. Nah, so like I said, I went back to um, Chicago for like oh, a okay. month, for like cool. the month of- September. Okay. Yeah. 
And then October, I went to New Zealand. And New Zealand has a long-distance hiking trail as well. And so after doing the Appalachian Trail and kind of hearing about it a little bit and then doing some more research into New Zealand, like where do I want to go, what do I want to do, how do I see the most of it, um, I came across this trail. And the more I looked at it, I'm like, I can't go to New Zealand and not try to do some of this trail. So it's like a 1,500-mile trail or something that goes from the top of the North Island, basically just through the middle of both islands to the bottom of the South Island. And, yeah, so that was my plan. I'm like, I'm just going to start with that and use that as a guideline for exploring the country. If I want to get off and see some other places, um, I'll do that. You know, maybe look for some jobs along the way, find a city or a town that I like. And because I got a working holiday visa, so it lasts for up to a year, and I can. Um, That's crazy. So you get just a job. you just get into a town and yeah. you go, uh, "Can I work for you?" Yeah, <laughs> basically that was the idea. Just like find a town that had a good vibe, that I was digging it, and look for some kind of work that I felt qualified for. A lot of people go to New Zealand on a working holiday visa, and they'll just pick fruit seasonally. You know, and you can, like, travel the whole country as a migrant farmer, basically, just picking fruit, whatever's in season. You get paid by the weight, you know, how much you pick, and you can just kind of travel the country doing that. So that was kind of like a fallback plan for me. Um, it's like something that's easy. You know, everyone's qualified for that. Um, but what I ended up doing is I hiked until, like, halfway through the South Island, and then started running out of money and um, became, I, I got a little sick. I was ill for like a week and just getting rained on and just kind of losing interest in hiking. Man, getting ill in a foreign country yeah, too. Yeah, like, and just when you're trying to walk and hike all day and climb mountains and stuff. Yeah, that's you know? crazy. So I, I was just pretty much getting over it, being done with the whole hiking thing at that point. I'd done it for like three months. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time well, to hike. The Appalachian Trail was six months. Jeez. So, yeah. okay. So, really quick, because you told me this story uh, mm -hmm. one of the last times we met up. Uh, where was the river crossing? Yeah. Are we getting there? So, that's basically when I decided, I think I'm done hiking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell that story for you. So, so this, this happened before you got sick? Um, no, I was like... I was basically sick while I was doing this river crossing. Oh, my and, God. Like, getting over it. Yeah. So I, I'll t in order to tell that story, I need to backtrack just a little bit. I had this group of friends, probably about four or five people that I hiked the whole North Island with. And so we had a good community going, a good pace. You know, we knew each other. But I was meeting up with one of my friends from back home in Wellington, which is the capital city. It's like right at the bottom of the North Island. So it's like the halfway point on the trail. And so they kind of just kept going. I met up with him and we kind of went at our own pace. He wasn't as familiar, or he, he wasn't as used to hike. I mean, we had just been hiking for two months, solid. So we had to slow down the pace a little bit. And <clears throat> it just so happened that we were going into this really intense section and his feet couldn't really handle it, so we we just kind of took it easy. And it was around that time that I also found out about this music festival 
that I, I wanted to see. Because I, I wanted to do more than just hiking in New Zealand. I wanted to really kind of experience the culture. And I feel like going to a festival or a music and arts um, type event would give me a much different perspective than I would get from just hiking or working or, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, people are, like, celebrating and stuff. Yeah, you could see yeah, what, definitely. how they do it there. And lo- what the local music is like, you know, um, good way to meet local people who actually live there because half the time when you're traveling, you just meet other foreigners. <clears throat> so, but at the same time, I didn't have a lot of money, so I'm like, but I had time. So I'm like, well, I'll volunteer for the festival in exchange for a ticket. So I ended up, um, it was only like a one-week volunteer period that I had to do, but I ended up volunteering for two weeks just because I had the time. So I volunteered for two weeks, and then the festival was one week long. And by the time I was done with all that, that's when I was kind of feeling a little bit ill. It just kind of worn me out, you know, just kind of partying for the last week and, and... having some fun so it was kind of rough getting back into the hiking mindset after that and I met uh, a friend of mine this guy named John from Ireland at that festival and he wanted to do some hiking so I said yeah well yeah come along with me for the next section it's like a five-day section between um, where I planned on starting and the next town and there's supposed to be some beautiful scenery awesome mountains rivers and you know the works, all the good stuff. So he he didn't really have much backpacking and hiking experience, but he seemed athletic, and it was only five days. So I'm like, yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it was a rough five days. <laughs> but my boy John was a champ. He totally kept up, and he didn't complain, so I got to give him some props. But we had a little bit of trouble getting to the starting location because we were hitchhiking, and, you know, hitchhiking is always kind of variable, you know. So we get there a little bit later than we wanted to start. So we the first day, we we stop a little bit earlier than we were planning. So we got to make up for it the next day. And we're like, as long as we can make it over these mountains the next day, we're pretty much in the clear. There's a little bit of weather coming in, um, but it shouldn't be a problem as long as we get over the mountains. If, if the weather hits and we're not over the mountains, then it's going to be rough because we don't really want to cross the mountains, you know, during a storm. Yeah. That's just dangerous. Of course. Everybody knows that. So we push it. We make it over the mountains. Um, We end up in this tiny little shelter. It's like the smallest one I'd seen on the whole trail. It was like a six foot by six foot cube, basically. Like just long enough where when I stretched out on the bunk, my head was touching one wall and my feet were touching the other. Like exactly six feet. And there's two bunks like stacked on top of each other on the far wall and just like a tiny little floor space when you first walk in. So my buddy John and I, we we claimed the two bunks. We got our spot and then two other guys show up, this like father and son duo um, that's like in the same direction as us and they just decide to set up their tents and this other guy ends up coming, coming from the opposite direction going northbound and... He just sets up his sleeping pad and sleeping bag on the floor. Not a problem. So the weather comes. It rains that whole night. And, you know, it's raining the next morning when we wake up. But that's not really too much of a deal, big deal. You know, 
you get rained on all the time in New Zealand and you just kind of you deal with it and you move on. But it does take a lot of the fun out of hiking. You know, it's it's hard to have fun when you're getting rained on. Yeah, totally. Just that's how it goes. But it can't be all sunshine and rainbows, you know. So we're getting ready. We're packing our stuff up, getting ready to head out. And the father-son duo, they come in through the front door soaking wet. They take off their pack, put it down. And we're like, you guys not going? They're like, uh, we tried to go. The river, half a mile down, totally flooded, impassable. Like, raging river, rapids and stuff. Uh. Like, impassable. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> because that's where we were planning on going. So now we can't go south. The northbound guy, he, I mean, it's raining. He's not going over the mountains today. He's planning on taking the day off. So now we got five people taking shelter in this tiny little cube of a of a shelter, you know, six foot by six foot cube. We're all huddled in there trying to stay dry and stay warm and just wait for the weather to pass. So we end up waiting the whole day. It keeps raining all day. I mean, we get out a little bit and walk around and put some rocks on the riverbank to measure the water level, see if it's going up or down. And it did go down a little bit. Um, and we're kind of like brainstorming, looking at our food rations and stuff. And we're like, all right, we're still good as long as we book it tomorrow and make tomorrow a long day. So, so that's what we do. And the next day it's still raining, but we pack up and John and I, we book it out of there. We get to the river and it's still going hard, but we're like, we're going to run out of food. We got to go. Like (laughs) options are limited. So I've got one trekking pole. I gave my other trekking pole to John and we kind of, you know, move one foot, move the pole, move the other foot, move the other foot, move the pole. So you always have like two points of contact in the river. You're kind of going upstream at a diagonal angle. And that's, that's like the safest way to do it. You know, have as many points of contact as you can, um, go upstream on a diagonal and, and we made it, you know, water was kind of coming up to our knees. It wasn't too high, but there was a strong current. It was ice cold as well. And some you don't really want to do twice. Yeah. But the way that the river works, it kind of snakes back and forth. So we end up having to do it like two or three times. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, rivers are windy, you know. And that wasn't even the hardest part because we're like, this is the warm up, basically, because this river meets up with another river like halfway through the day, like 15 miles down trail. And that's the one that we were really worried about. And so when we get there, we're kind of sizing it up. It's a little bit wider. The rapids aren't as big, but it's got more of like an undercurrent. And kind of going in, feeling it, feeling the pressure and coming back. And that that father-son duo, they had caught up to us because they got a little bit of a slower start. And they were a little bit more apprehensive about the first river crossing. Uh, in fact, I think they even kind of bushwhacked around the side and just like hiked up the side of this mountain, like, I don't know, cutting their way through or something to go around the river because they huh. didn't feel safe about that part. But now we're at this big river and there's no way around it. Like we got to cross this river. So what we end up doing is grabbing each other's shoulders, standing four in a row, um, and just kind of all 
going in at the same time. So the the person in front is breaking the current and everyone else. It's kind of like um, like in the Tour de France when everyone's bike riding. You know, you'll, you got that one person in front who's breaking. The, yeah, and how did the how wind. did anybody learn this? Somebody oh, just um, yeah, it was in the guidebook. No, the um, the shelter log. So all the the huts in New Zealand they've got these log books so that you can you know write your name, what time you're in, where you're going, just kind of a way to keep track of and it just who's out there. Blatantly says, "Hey, read this for sure." Yeah, it's like in the the front part. It's got some first aid instructions, you know, and some just weather type stuff. And one of the things was about river crossing and kind of some pointers and stuff. And that was the technique that they said to do. So when we got there, we were were like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. We should maybe try this because just going solo, I don't think is going to work. No, absolutely not. (laughs) No. So, and (laughs) this technique barely worked either. So we got the four of us standing in a row trying to go through this river. I'm the guy at the head, breaking the current, because apparently I'm the biggest and strongest or something, I don't know. My buddy John's on the other end, and the uh, the the father of the, the little duo, he's next to me, the son's next to him. We're going in. It's good for the first few feet, and then, like, I'm kind of struggling trying to, like, not get swept away. Basically, like, the current's hitting me hard, and... Like, I'm having trouble getting my trekking pole to, to stay planted. It's kind of getting pushed away. Um, my feet are slipping a little bit. And so I'm telling I'm like, oh, man, I'm kind of getting swept here a little bit. <laughs> like, this ain't looking good. He's like, no, man, just keep going. We're, we're like halfway there. You're doing good. I'm like, okay, like, this is, this is getting rough a little bit. And the next thing I know, boom, my feet get kicked out. My arm goes down. I'm face down in the river. Death. Dude, I got, I got my arm on the dude's shoulder. And he's just holding me. It's like, get up, man, get up. And so he pulls me back up onto my feet. Man. And as soon as I'm up on my feet, boom, down he goes. Now, now he's like face down in the river and his son's like, dad, you got to get up. Like, get up, man. We got to go. We're almost there. And so we pull him up. And so it's good that we had each other because we're all like locked arms or holding onto each other's shoulders. So if one person goes down, we just pull him back up. And by this point, like John's still going, he's on the end and he's still going for it. So now like, I'm just trying to get my feet like stable. John makes it to the end and he kind of like pulls us in like a rope, basically. He pulls in uh, Everett, which was the name of the son and uh, his dad, blanking on his name. And then they just kind of pull me in and just like that. But but theoretically, like uh, you would probably not make it. If, If I was going solo? Like I'm saying, what happens if you get swept on this river? Like, oh, like you're just like if if I wasn't holding on to him and I just kept going. You like anybody? Yeah. Like what danger. happens? Danger, danger, like, man. Y- you got to get found by people, right? Well, pretty much. It depends. I mean, it's it's all it's all up in the air at that point. You're at you're at the hands of Mother Nature. You know, that you're in the hands of God. So, if you take your pack off. You know, because usually it's like your backpack. That's what's weighing you down. You got 40, 50 pounds on your back. You know, you're like a turtle on its back, upside down. You know, you can't, you don't have a whole lot of mobility um, if you're in that position. So first thing I would do is try to take your pack off and then just kind of swim to the edge. Fortunately, this river wasn't that deep. Um, I mean, it was probably about waist height, you know, It it was up to the hips. But 
So so you probably wouldn't go like that far before you could yeah, get over. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably just get soaking wet. I would say ditch your pack. That might be hard to, to get a hold of, but you could probably get to the side. Um, fortunately, there weren't too many obstacles in the, uh, in the river. What's bad is if there's a lot of sharp rocks, you know, the rocks can, can injure you. Or if there's a tree laying across the river, you can get dragged underneath and then get stuck there and like pinched by the tree Ugh. or some other obstacle. Um, so those are really the big hazards. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we kind of got lucky. Yeah, that's but, that's just crazy though to like just like almost slip in that situation. Yeah, I like, mean, I was just hanging on to the dude's shoulder, face down in the river, just getting soaked, and just pull my feet back up, get my footing, and then as soon as I'm up, he's down. I mean, if we had both been down, that would have been a different story too. Yeah, you know. So it was basically after that. Well, and then we said like another 15 miles to hike at the end of the day. So we, that was like the longest day of the trail as well. We did 27 and a half miles that day and, and a couple river crossings and yeah, it was rough. (laughs) John barely had any backpacking experience before that. And I'm like, well, how's this for an experience? You know, is that what you were looking for? (laughs) Oh man. So yeah. So then by the end of that, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm done hiking for a little bit. I'm just going to I'm just going to get a job and try to make some money. And uh, a friend flew in. So, so you were just States. in New Zealand just trying to work for a little bit? Yeah. So a friend flew in from the States, and we kind of did a road trip around the south half, um, bottom half of the South Island, and ended up in Queenstown, which is an amazing place, spectacularly beautiful, and just awesome people, good vibe. It's like the adrenaline capital of the world. They got bungee, bungee jumping was invented there. Um, they got like crazy canyon swings. They got speed boats on the river. They got paragliding. They got mountain biking. They got downhill luge. I mean, they got any kind of adventure thing, like adrenaline thing that you want. Bam, they got it. So I'm like, this is a cool spot. I'm going to try to get some work here. And I ended up just dropping off my resume at a place called Trade Staff which is like a temp agency uh, for construction companies. And so they got me a job um, at a construction company that was actually building an iFly, the indoor skydiving place. They were building one of those in Queenstown. So I kind of just did some basic grunt work. I directed traffic when trucks were coming in and out. I dug some holes, laid some fencing, you know, just, basic general labor type stuff, whatever they need. Did that for about two weeks. Um, Then they didn't really need my help anymore, so I got a different job at uh, a little bit out of town in a town called Glenorchy. And they were building a a bunch of cabins um, for people to stay in. And so I was doing like some landscape construction for them, digging holes, mixing concrete, hauling concrete, pouring concrete getting tools for people, um, cleaning up, you know, just general basic, yeah, basic so stuff. Definitely uh, not afraid to just get your hands dirty and work. No, like I mean fishing, I, concrete, freaking Yeah. I'd rather work with my hands and I feel like these are very um almost basic kind of job. Not like basic, you should be able to figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Like people should know 
how to fish. You know, pe- people have been fishing since the dawn of time. You know, you should know how to dig a hole, you know, and work with tools and just do general labor stuff. I feel like, you know, sometimes we've kind of urban cities and places have moved away from that. You know, that's like the grunt work. A lot of people feel that they're they're above it. Oh, I'm college educated or something. I don't I don't get my hands dirty. And I'm like, man, we should all get our hands dirty. You know, we should all work our way up from the bottom. You know, I'm not necessarily opposed to the totem pole in that manner, but I just want to know that I'm like what I'm working for. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I'm you got the for. college thing, but like what's the other side yeah. of it? Like, yeah, I want the whole picture, you know, not just the black and white. You know, I want some experience to back it up. So are you uh, are you in a rush right now? Do you got to be anywhere quick? Nah. Dude, so I think I'm going to have to make this a two-part. A, a two-parter. Yeah, I, definitely going to be a two-parter. I got so, so many stories, man. I could just keep so, going. So you uh, you, you then uh, pretty much do that for a little while, work out there, yep. and, and come back to the U.S. Yep. again? So I was working there until um, April, April, May of 2017 this past year and I was going to go back and do some more fishing but because of the time zone difference and um and that it was hard to line up some interviews um with the captains and stuff and I I could only like call them through wi-fi it was just really complicated because you know I'm on the other side of the world New Zealand it was like a whole day time zone difference basically and so it was kind of at that point I was talking with some of my friends that I had met while on the Appalachian Trail, and they told me that they were fighting wildfires out west. They got a sweet job at a um, contract company, and they said they could get me on board. So rolled the dice, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'll uh, try this as well. And, and that takes us into part two, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Just follow into Stay the tuned. next podcast. Thank you.